This broadcast is part of the IC Robots Radio Network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long. Examination of something mundane from icy robots' day-to-day existence. Welcome to this boring life. Hello, my kids. It is me, Icy Robots, and I am back for another another episode of This Boring Life, the show in which we we take a look at the origin story of me, Icy Robots, and the way we do it is. One topic at a time, and the topic we are going to tackle this week is my early days, the early days of my existence, my time in the land of Lincoln, the great state of Illinois. When I was, when I was a young sprat, way, 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 way back in the day, I lived in the town of Oaklawn, Illinois. This is... This is where I lived before we moved to where I live now, Santa Rosa, California. Oak Lawn is, it's a small suburb of Chicago, as I recall, and all of this is going to be like deep cut reflections. This is going to be like a lot of my earliest types of memories. So they may not be entirely accurate. Not that I'm ever going to say any of my memories are entirely accurate because who knows, I I remember hearing one time that you're not actually remembering the actual memory. What you are remembering is the memory of the memory. So every time you think of the memory, you're actually thinking about the last time you thought about it. So who knows how near they are to what actually happened. But as I as I recall, you could see Chicago from where we were. You could see the skyscrapers, the skyline, all that stuff, Sears Tower, whatever. From our, from the side of our house, I seem to remember it was the left side, but that may, that may not be entirely accurate. One thing that I recall about Illinois is it is flat. I remember it being completely flat and that's why, that's why you were able to see so far away. Here in Santa Rosa, the neighborhood I live in is a place called Rincon Valley and we are we're surrounded by what is known as the Rincon Mountains. They're not they're not giant mountains by any stretch. They are they're probably tall hills. We call them, you know, the hills, but we're surrounded on all sides by that. So, you can't see past that point. I remember in Illinois that you could just you could see off for miles in the distance. 
it's just it's just a completely different landscape than than where I live now. We lived on a street called West 90th Street. It was 5923 West 90th Street. I have the address written down on the inside cover of of the Bible I got when I when I left my Bible study class for the final time back in Illinois. We'll talk about we'll talk about that too. Um the house that we lived in was a one-story two-bedroom house on sort of the middle portion of the street. We weren't on the corner, but we weren't completely in the middle. Just one of the more average houses. It was just like a random suburban neighborhood. We had a nice size backyard, as I recall. I remember we didn't have a fence in the front of the house, only only like one tree. The whole the whole street was open. And this is this is me doing this largely from, you know, memory. But the backyard had a fence with a gate that opened up into an alley. You would leave the garbage cans in the alley behind the house and the truck would skadoosh through the different alleyways picking up the cans. I remember we had these like really heavy duty garbage cans. The kind that you don't really see nowadays. Nowadays it feels like most of them are like they're like aluminum, like uh like disposable baking tins with with lids, but these were like super heavy duty garbage cans. We used to use the um the lids as shields and we would we would go at each other with sticks full force and never even never even do damage to these. The garbage men would go down, they would jump out, grab the cans, throw it into the truck, and then just chuck the cans back at the ground. I remember that too. That was that was why you had to uh why you had to have the super strong cans. We had a we had a side yard on one side of the house, the right side as I recall, and then on the left side we we had like um like a large shared sort of yard with our our neighbors the um the gingerowskis i i don't remember if it was like a shared deal or if the yards just kind of merged at that point and we would we would you know use that space kind of together it didn't really matter like whose stuff was on on what side so much um on the other on the other side of the house, the side yard, there was there was a tree. There was a tree there, and I would I would play over in that yard just about as much as I did the backyard. I really dug that tree because at one point a bird must have lived there because there was like there was like a fairly large bird nest that was abandoned. I remember I remember playing with this bird's nest all the times. So I'd be like putting my Star Wars guys in there and like taking them out, and they would. They would hide in there. It was their base. I would sometimes, I sometimes put my stuffed animals in the uh, good old side yard uh, bird nest. I would also play in the mud. I used to um, love the mud, and the the side yard was where the backyard hose was located. And I would make mud puddles and then play with my play with my Star Wars and my Fisher Price adventure people and stuff. They would have. They would have, like, 
mud battles. I would build little walls and buildings out of mud is, you know, the best I could. I would build up like small walls and then put like leaves on the top and they would, they would fight and destroy these, these things. And then sometimes they would like bury, bury each other rather in the mud. And then I would dig them all out, take them, hose them off and then go back inside. You could go through the backyard, through the fence, through the alley, and then all the way to the, the other block. That was how I would get to school in the morning. The school was over in that direction. That was also, that was also the direction of the park. So we would go, we would go through the back a lot. One thing I remember is we'd go through the back and then over on the corner of the next block, there was like this enormous house. All the houses around there were, they were all kind of the same size, more or less kind of track houses. But then there was like one really big old house that we would always think was like super weird and creepy. And then one day we were hanging around at the school doing whatever. And we saw the, we saw the cafeteria lady. We didn't have like a full on cafeteria because it wasn't really like, that type of school yet. It was mostly like a brown bag school. I don't know. I don't know the deal with that. We didn't have cafeterias in Illinois. Everybody would just bring their lunchbox or their lunch bag and they would eat out in the schoolyard. But when I moved to California, it was straight up eating lunch in the cafeteria. No food allowed on the, on the playground tip. But we had a, we had like a small lunch area where you could get like whatever you like milks things like that and then once a week we'd have something called hot dog day I'll talk about I'll talk about hot dog day in a bit that's one of um my best my best memories of that era but this was this was you know the kind of place with just condiments so anyhow one day we were walking and we saw the lady who ran the ran the lunch area go into that into that house we were like that is so weird that must be that must be the lunch lady's house. And we kind of like stalked it and looked at it for a long while. And we determined that she seemed to live in there by herself. So one day we got the courage and we went over and we knocked on the door to, um, I don't know what we were going to do. We we're going to go tell her that we went to school and say hi. I have no idea. Who knows what you're going to do when you're a kid? You just do stuff like that. So we went over there and knocked on the door and she opened it up and she was, she was super nice and she gave us popsicles, and then as we were walking away, she said, don't ever come here again, and she slammed the door really hard. I get it. I don't want, um, I don't want little kids following me home and hanging out at my house anyway, but it was just so aggressive at the time. We were like, wow, I can't believe how nice she is. She gave us popsicles, and then when we were walking away, slam! We're like, what a mean old lunch lady, just like we thought. Very, uh, very funny little story to me. Anyway, maybe it was like a, you had to be there kind of story. We had a pool. We had a doughboy pool in the backyard. That was, that was cool, man. I really enjoyed having a pool of my own. I, I love to swim. And this is where, this is where I got my start. It was like a, like a five, six foot deep doughboy pool. Nothing special, nothing big. But during those like super humid oak lawn summers, this was, this was a godsend. I spent a lot of time in there. I had like a mask and a snorkel. And I remember like snorkeling back and forth across that pool for what seemed like hours, hours at a time. But it was probably just like 
minutes at a time. And then I had a boat. It was it was like a small boat. I don't know where we got it from. It was like an inflatable boat. It had like plastic plastic pegs where you could I don't know what you'd call them. They're not pegs. They're little plastic openings where you could stick oars through. I didn't have any oars, but I would I would float in this boat all the time. I dug it, man. I would get in this boat and I would I would paddle across the pool as quick as I can, then I would jump over the side with my with my snorkel and my mask on. This this pool was great. Here is here's a pool story I may have told before, but I'm going to I'm gonna tell it again because it's it's an important part of my Chicago lore. We still we still talk about it to this day, not all the time, but it still does come up every once in a while. There was this family on the corner called the called the uh, Carvellos, and they were they were like the tough family. You know, they would fix bikes and motorcycles in their front yard, and they had like cars parked in the front yard. You know, real like real like biker grease monkey types with with pompadours and like cigarettes rolled up in their sleeves and stuff. And their son was his name was Joey, and he wasn't like. A good friend of mine, but he would he would sometimes hang out around the around the yard. And then one time during the winter, I remember I was out in the backyard with my with my snowsuit on. I had like a full on snowsuit that would like zip up the front with with my uh, ski cap and my moon boots. You know those those plastic silvery boots that every kid would wear in the snow. I would I was out there in my in my moon boots and my snowsuit and. Joey came over and he's like, hey, let's go, let's go goof around on your pool. And there was one thing that was like a no-no was do not goof around in the pool during the winter. It's dangerous. And I'm like, no way, Joey, I don't want to do that. But he's like, look, I'm going to show you. Let's go over there. I'm going to, I'm going to walk on the ice. And I'm like, don't do it, dude. Don't, don't do it. And I want to mention that he was just wearing like normal jeans and like a windbreaker jacket. And it was, it was like full on snow outside. I remember this so distinctly. Homeboy was not in the snowsuit like I was, which made him seem so much cooler than me. And I'm sure in reality, he was a lot colder than me because this was, this was pretty frigid as I recall. So at any rate, he goes, he goes up the ladder of the pool and then he, he walks out onto the surface and he's like, see, See, I told you I, I could do it, and I start to hear the ice cracked. It wasn't it wasn't like frozen all the way through. It was just frozen on the top, and I start to hear the ice crack, and boom! Homeboy goes in, and he's down there. He's down there under the ice. I see him, like, trying to push his way up, and it's not, like, super thick ice. He's going to make it. I see him, like, pushing, and I'm like, oh, my gosh! I'm freaking out, like, trying to reach down in the hole for him when my mom like burst out the back door and she runs over and like smashes the ice with her forearm and pulls kid out it was amazing she pulled him out by one arm and she was like dangling him up in the air and he was you know obviously soaked to the bone he was his clothes were like pulled in tight on him and he was like so she ran him in the house and she sent him into the bathroom and told him, you know, to take off her, his wet clothes. And she sent in, she sent in some of uh, my gear, which he put on and she, she sat him in front of the heater and gave him like a cup of cocoa or something. I don't know what it was. Uh, we'll say cocoa. She gave him, she gave him a hot toddy, whatever. And then when he, when he warmed up a bit, she bundled him up and we walked him back around the corner to his house and she she knocked on the door again. 
And when they opened it up, his um his greaser dad, his 50 style dad with the pompadour and like the um imagine Schneider. You know, Schneider from one day at a time. He was like that. He's like, What can I do for you? And my mom's like, Your son was over at my house. He tried to walk in the pool and he fell in. He he's really cold, you know, whatever. And he's like, he's like, Don't worry, I'll take care of it. And he smacked him upside the head, which was, this was like a real common occurrence back in Illinois. People like smacking their kids upside the dome. But, um, I was like, dang, he, uh, he almost died. It seems like in my eyes, he almost died. If my mom wouldn't have come out with the, with the super strength, you know, who knows, who knows what would have happened. And his, uh, his response was to cuff him upside the ear. But that's kind of like... That's how it was, man. Illinois was a lot different than it uh than it was in California. That is that is for sure. What else did we do? What else what else was going on? There was a lot of um a lot of snow related hijinks, which is which is wild for me to think back upon because I haven't seen snow in in years. There have been a couple times where it's like had a small dropping of snow in Santa Rosa. I think it's happened twice since we've moved here, but it's not even it's not even anything. It doesn't really cover the ground. It's kind of like it'll just fall down. You see like a, a bit of snow cuz it's cold and also also moist in in like Calistoga and a couple other places that are higher up. There has uh, been snow. I've seen it. I've seen it on the mountains, but it's nothing it's nothing that we experience in any way. You can go to Tahoe or whatever and do that thing. But that's like, that's like all on the skiing tip. And I've never, never been skiing. Never been in my life. I've sledded. We went down to Tahoe and we've sledded a couple times. And that's fun. It's super fun. But back in, back in Oaklawn, the, the snow was just, it was like a fact of life. And I'm sure for all you guys out there who live in snowy conditions, you're thinking, this is so dumb. Of course, snow is a part of life, but you got to understand, man. We don't, we don't ever see it, so it's weird to think back and think that it was, it was something that was going on all the time for me. I, I remember trying to make snow angels, and I was never, never super successful at that. When you see people do it in TV or movies, they are on. It looks like a lot of snow, like a like a big. A big layer of snow. So when they make the angel, the indent has snow underneath it. Every time I would do it, it always felt like the the underneath surface was dirt. So my snow angel would uh, just kind of look like a mud angel. But that could have just been my experience. I was a kid, you know, and I wasn't very good at anything. Um, we would we would have snowball fights, which was which was super dope. Getting up with a snowball hurts on cartoons or whatever. They kind of it looks like they just kind of scoot, and then you're hit with it. But in real life, they they tended to be a bit icy, from what from what I recall. And there were like there were always creepy kids you had to be wary about, like that like that kid who fell in my pool, and kids like that who might put they might put a rock inside of the snowball. I saw that happen more than once. I saw people I saw people like break ice puddles and dip their the snowballs in the ice try to make ice balls that would that would happen too we would build snowmen which I always thought was fun but it never felt like there were thick 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 layers of snow in my yard to where you could make like really big 
really big snowman, you know, like you make the ball. This is what I recall. You make the ball and then you start to roll it in the snow and you hope that the other snow connects with the snow in your ball and the ball gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And this is probably like really silly for all you people who live out there in snowy conditions. I am saying this for like people like me who live in, you know, a more of a, a warmer climate and may not have, may not have experienced this thing. These are all just distant memories. They're like, they're super wild to me, but you would, you would roll the snowball in the snow and it'd get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you'd have the biggest ball in the bottom, medium ball, then a small ball for a head. I never, I never had a carrot either like homies would do in like Christmas movies and stuff. I never, I never had the carrot to put in for the nose or the coal for the eyes. I was mostly like, poking holes and trying to make it look that way. But they would always be, like, only a few feet high. You know, maybe, like, two or three feet high at the most. When you would see dudes, they're making, like, six or seven feet snowmen. That must be for these, like, super Arctic conditions. I don't know. It was just something I remember doing. We would also go over to my uncle's house in Burbank. That was, that was the next town over. And they had... They had some sort of a hill there. I remember it not being, like, a super big hill. But it was, it definitely was a hill with an incline where people would, like, a sharp incline. A hill obviously has an incline, but, like, it was a sharp hill, you know. And people would, people would go sledding there. And I remember doing that every year. And that was, that was the dopest of the dope. I still think that it would be dope to go, go and ride a sled. I had, um like, a wooden sled with metal rails on the bottom blades I guess whatever whatever you call it the blades were red it was one of those like super prototypical sleds that you see people have on TV I still have it it's in the it's in the garage I have it mounted on the wall it's one of my last um like Illinois Illinois remnants I have a few things but uh we would do the sled deal and some guys would have like toboggans or whatever I don't think that the like the full on plastic disc that people use now, like the, the plastic bowl disc, you know, where you hold onto the sides. I don't think that was invented at the time because I don't, I don't have a lot of recollections of dudes using that disc. I don't think I ever saw it until, until recently when we went and sledded in Tahoe, we used the, we used the discs and that was fun, man. You go fast. I don't remember my sled going super fast and a lot of times like the weight of the sled wouldn't allow it to like go all the way down like it would just kind of get caught up you sort of you sort of have to glide over the surface of the snow you know you can't um you can't hope to cut through the snow unless unless you got like horses you know Clydesdales pulling you or whatever but I would go down and get stuck a lot of the times uh my cousin had like a board as I recall I don't I don't remember exactly it was like a board and he would like sit on it and had strings I guess he would hold on to the strings and he would go down on that and he could use them to control himself to a degree. That was, that was pretty cool. Sledding was dope, dude. When we went to Tahoe, it was so much fun riding the, the disc down the hills. I hurt myself though. I, I, um, had done it like the run a few times and I was just like, I had this brilliant idea that I was going to grab the, grab the thing behind me and sort of like put it near my butt, right? And I was going to run and jump and I was going to jump and connect, like, at a perfect angle, and just, like, shoot down at lightning speed, right? But, you know, I'm no Olympic-level athlete or anything. I ran, and I leapt in the air, and I hit the ground with such a thud. I did not, 
I don't even know if that's possible to like connect at the perfect angle where you don't really like the impact is minimalized by the angle that you're hitting it at, at the speed that you're going. I don't even know if that's possible. It's definitely impossible for me, but I gave it a shot. I, I was having some bravado, I guess. I usually don't. So this was, this was a little odd, but um, I hit the thing so hard. I was, I was laid up, like honestly laid up for like a week straight. It messed up my back so bad. I was in like, you know, bedridden with like bedpans and stuff. I was still, I was still getting up and, you know, going to the restroom. So I wasn't like completely laid out, but I wasn't, um, I wasn't doing any kind of a physical labor. That's for sure. That, uh, that messed me up something awful, but it was fun. And I didn't really feel the blow until the next day. So I still had fun sledding. I ripped my pants. I remember I was wearing like green army style pants, not like army pants, but you know, like green cargo-y pants and stuff. Um, I thought those would be like my outdoorsy, outdoorsy gear, but I tore my pants too. You need, you need those snow pants, that nylon snow pants that you wear. The wife has a pair now. She got them at the Goodwill. They're like a nylon pants with um like suspenders. We haven't had the chance to use them, but that's what you need for like outdoor winter skiing type activities, sledding type activities rather. I've never skied. Skiing seems for, like, people who are more upper crust than me, you know. I remember the more wealthy kids at uh, Rinkin Valley Middle School would go off on skiing trips. I've loved skiing for over 50 years, but I hate waiting in line. And in the whole world, only Squaw Valley guarantees no waiting in line or your money back. So what are you waiting for? Squaw Valley, no waiting in line or your money back. That seemed wild, man. I've never, I've never done it those ski lifts. The idea of sitting in those chairs and going up, it's too much, man. It's too much for me. One last, one last snow thing that I think about from time to time. I, I used to like to like lay down face first in the snow, like all spread eagle. I have no idea why. I remember thinking that this was like the funnest thing. I would lay down like face first into the snow with my arms like back behind me, like um, like I'm in flight, sort of, with my arms back, you know, going super fast. I have no idea. I have no idea what that was about, but I would come in the ho- house with like this uh bright pink face from you know, like the uh the contact with the snow kind of you know slightly burned your skin. Sometimes it leaves it pink, and I would come in with like these this pink face, and my mom would get all ah, cause. You know, normally you'll come in with, like, pink cheeks from, like, the wind hitting you or, you know, just the general cold. But, like, my whole face would be bright pink. I have no idea what I was doing. I would just, like, lay face down in the snow, like, uh, like all the time. What else? Oh, I used to hang out with the neighbor kid a lot. There was this family next door, the the Gingerowskis, if I remember correctly. And they had a son named Steve who was, he was, like, a couple years older than me. But we would... We would hang out. We would, you know, proximity pal type stuff. I would sometimes go into his house. His house had a basement. We didn't have a basement. And they had a, they had the whole thing finished. And they had it set up like a bar. Like they had like an actual bar with, um, you know, stools and alcohol in the back. And they had, they had a pool table and a TV down there. And that was, that was dope. We would hang out there a lot. I don't think that, I don't think we played pool very much. Every once in a while we'd kind of like, poke around at it, but we were little, you know, we didn't have any idea of that sort of stuff, we would, we would play with our Legos down there, I remember having Legos, and we would play with our Migos, I know for a fact that I had a Batman and Robin Mego because I have a, um, a real strong memory of his, his leg coming loose, and no one being able to put it back on, and that was, 
that was the end of him. I had a one-legged Robin for years. It was very, very traumatic because I didn't have a ton of toys and losing one to an injury like that. And, you know, Batman and Robin were like two of my key dudes, but we would play with those down in the basement. We would, we would watch TV. It was so like early 80s, late 70s with the the wood panel and the wood bar and the wooden stools, the big mirrored back and, you know, like the the hanging beer lamp over the um, over the pool table, you know, like with Miller Lite on it or whatever. We were down there all the time. I would, what would I do with Steve? We would sometimes shoot baskets in his, in his driveway. We would play Star Wars men. Um, I had, I had red carpet, like an orange red carpet in the living room, as I recall. And we would, we would like to pretend like that was Tatooine. Because it was desert-like and we would have our Jawas and our sand people and stuff. And we would do the desert scenes. And then my mom would always get annoyed with us playing in the living room as, you know, moms are wont to do. She'd get annoyed with us in the living room and she would be like, go play in your room. And I'd be like, but it's red out here like the desert. And she'd go, eh, go in your room and play in your bed. Pretend your sheets is uh, the snow. Go do that or whatever. And, you know. That's what it was left for me to do. I went in my room. I had to listen to my mom. Me and Steve would have icicle fights. That was uh, something I remember we would like break them off from things and like try to dagger each other with icicles. Uh, We were always wary of icicles hanging from the from the edge of the house. You know, they were like uh, they were like stalactites or stalagmites. I forget which one is the one that dangles down, but we would. We'd be wary of those. You're always hearing about um, some kid getting impaled, you know, through the arm or like right through the brain by by a giant falling icicle. I never witnessed this myself. You know, I'm happy about that. But we would we would get them off and like smack each other with the uh, with the frozen piece of ice or like try to stab each other through our snowsuits. That was that was fun. Sometimes we'd like throwing knife them at each other using garbage cans for shields. This was back in the day, dude. Kids were wilder. You know, we would. We would duke it out, uh, duke it out seemingly to the death. But, uh, you know, luckily, luckily no one, no one was the worst for the wear as much as I recall. Probably, probably some bruises and stuff. But, uh, let's take a quick commercial break. And then we're going to come back. We're going to talk more about Illinois. We're going to talk about, like, places I went, stores that were there that aren't here in California. Stuff like that. It's going to be fun. More, more good stuff to follow. If you think you know what Zare is all about, take another look. It's a whole new store. I can't get over the way it's changed. It's a lot brighter. More cheerful. There's so much to choose from. Everything's so nice. I like the change. I really do. There are so many lovely things. Beautiful. Really pretty clothes. It really is a whole new store. Beautiful. They sure made it look a lot nicer. Beautiful. I love it. If you haven't seen Zare lately, you haven't seen Zare. Come on, take another look. Get to Zare and get it. One of the one of the really big culture shocks, and there were there were a lot in moving from Illinois to California, was that none of my Illinois stores were here in California. I mean, some of them were, you know, there were like a few here and there, but not like not like the stores that we would go to every week. For example, Zayers, that store that you just heard in that commercial, that was like that was like our Kmart, and we would go to Zayers like. Like, on the reg, we would go there for just about everything that you didn't get at the grocery store. It's where we got, like, our furniture, our TV. I got, like, I got, like, a ton of my toys there. And when we moved to California, there there wasn't Zayers. We quickly moved to Kmart. 
Kmart was something that was in Illinois, but we didn't go there because we were we were a Zayers family, and there wasn't like there was like a ton of differences between a Zayers and a um and a Kmart, but there were there were some I. I have like this image in my head of what the what the good old Zayers looked like back in Illinois. If I'm remembering, if I'm remembering correctly, it had you know a big light up Zayers sign in the front, and the interior the interior was all white, like the walls were white, the shelves were white, everything was white, and the the toy department was all the way all the way in the back in the corner. I I remember this the most. It wasn't like a giant. Like a giant toy area. It was only like a few aisles. Remember how, how it used to be? It would be like one, two, maybe aisles of like boy toys. And then across the aisle from there were like the girl toys and the Barbie and stuff. And then since it was in the back, there was like a giant wall where they would store the bikes. They had like a two-tiered like bike rack. I I don't know if we got my bike at Zayers. I, I kind of think my family got my bike second hand from somebody, but, um, I wonder if they, I wonder if they initially got it from Zayers. I was always tripped out by those double-tiered bike displays. They seemed, they seemed super dangerous and super sketch. When I, when I think back of the Toys R Us and how the Toys R Us here in Santa Rosa used to look, I, I remember how all throughout the middle, there was like a giant metal rack full of bikes. It was like a two, two level things. There were tons on the bottom and tons of bikes on the top, and then there were also, you know, like, your wagons, and, like, your four-wheel, uh, four-wheel pedal cars, and all that stuff, but the Zayers had them up against the back wall. The one, the one super distinct memory I have of the Zayers was a time that my grandma, my grandma, she lived in Tennessee, and she came to visit us in Illinois one summer, and she's like, I'm gonna take you to Zayers, and I'll get you, I'll get you any toy that you want, and for whatever reason, when we got there, I picked a Mego, a Mego Gene Simmons Kiss figure. I was not even like, I wasn't even like the biggest Kiss fan in the world. To be honest, I can really only name like a few Kiss songs. All of my Kiss memories are based around like Kiss videos and Kiss comic books and Kiss toys. But at any rate, she did not want to get the Gene Simmons doll because she's just like, I don't want my grandson playing with a doll. It was that era. She wanted me to get, I don't know, she wanted me to get a bike or maybe like a BB gun or something more manly. But I wanted, I wanted a Gene Simmons doll. I wanted the doll of a guy wearing makeup. I wanted, I wanted this super bad. If I, if I remember correctly, I hemmed and hawed and hemmed and hawed. And eventually she relented. Having this doll though, it, um, it got me painted as a Kiss fan. Like if you asked my parents what my favorite band was growing up, they would say, They would say Kiss. People would get me, like, Kiss gifts for a while, like Kiss posters and Kiss shirts. And I swear to you, I don't even know if I can name a Kiss song. Is Detroit Rock City? Is that a Kiss song? What's that one where they're like, I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. Is that a Kiss song? I think it is. I don't know. But for, like, the longest time, I got painted as a Kiss fan. It was so weird just because... Just because of this stupid Gene Simmons doll. So weird, man. If you look back, you'll find pictures of me with, like, Kiss stuff, Kiss posters. And, I don't know, dude, just the illusions of time. It's like, when you're a kid, you really have no input into what you're a fan about. People make you a fan of whatever they want you to be. And because of this dumb doll, I got painted as a Kiss fan. Zayers had a restaurant in it. 
in the front. I remember that too. We never, well, I'm not going to say never because maybe we did once or twice, but I don't remember like regularly eating at the Zare's restaurant, but I did know that there was one there. I did, I did a bit of research and I found out that the Zare's in Oaklawn, where I used to live, is now a, it's now a uh, condominium site. There's condos there and Sadly, the entire chain of Zares went down in 1990. It's a bummer, man. I, I hate hearing about entire chains going down. I think about all the people, all the people who lost their jobs and just all the memories. I'd like to think that maybe someday I would have been able to go back to Oaklawn and see the Zares, but sadly, that will never happen. Now, even deeper discounts. 73 stores of Zares are going out of business and must liquidate millions of dollars of inventory. Save 25 to 50% and more on everything in every department. Not a clearance or odds and ends, not selected markdowns. Everything has original price tags. Cashiers deduct an additional 25%, even on items already reduced one quarter, one third, and one half. It's the Zare sale you'll never forget. Nothing held back. Everything. Come in now. 73 stores of Zares are going out of business. That's a sad commercial. Closing sales are sad. Also... It's just, I don't know, man, it's weird, it's weird to hear people, like, picking the bones. They're, they're trying to get you to come and buy the last things, and I realize they need to get every penny they can before they close, I get it, I get it. It just seems so sad to me. I guess it seems sad to everybody. Um, we would shop at a grocery store in Illinois called Jewel. Jewel was our store, we would, we would go to the one that was in Oak Lawn, and right next door to it was Osco. Osco was our drugstore. That was our, our CVS. The Jewel the Jewel and the Osco were um, door-to-door neighbors, and we would hit up the Jewel every week to do the grocery shopping, and then when we were done, we would we would dip through to get, you know, whatever it is that you get at, uh, you get at drugstores. Drugs, I guess. Drogas. I did, I did like a small bit of research. Jewel is, Jewel is still a booming chain of grocery stores. They have... They have three locations in Oaklawn, Illinois. One on 45 West 100th, one on Ridgeland, and one on South Pulaski Road. I don't know which one would be the one that we went to. I'm thinking maybe 103rd Street. We lived on West 90th Street, so that seems like that seems like it would be in the neighborhood. Let's look at the store details over there. It is it's a Jewel Osco. They are now combined. I do remember, I remember the day that that happened. We would go to the Jewel regularly, and then one day they announced that they were going to be, they were going to be closing down for a while, and that we should go check out the other Jewel across town, and it was, it was like a good month or so, or whatever, and then when they reopened, the Jewel and the Osco were connected. They put a they put a big door right in the middle. Well, it wasn't the door because it wouldn't open and close. They they combined the two stores. You'd be like, one second you're in this one, next second you hop over and you're over at the Osco. Hey, Bears fans. I'm Sarah, back with another week of Jewel Fan Man. And I'm Alex Brown. We're here at Oak Lawn giving away Bears Packer tickets. Let's go find some fans. Shouldn't be too hard to find some Bears fans over at the Jewel Osco in Oak Lawn. I... I remember there were some diehard dudes. My dad's a diehard dude. My uncle's a diehard dude. My cousin, my cousin from back there, they're all hardcore Bears fans. I I dig it, man. You know, the uh, the soldiers of the Midway. What do they, I don't know, man. I, I don't, um, I don't have a lot of, well, I'll be honest, man. I have like no allegiance to Illinois sports. I, I have like uh, green and gold Going through my veins, I'm an A's fan. If you asked me to, if 
you asked me to pick a football team, I guess I would say the Raiders, but I don't really watch a lot of football, so I don't have any kind of, like, special allegiance to them or anything, but let's see, what else do I remember about the good old Jewel Osco? I remember doing the, the, uh, Pepsi Challenge. They had the Pepsi Challenge set up over near the bakery. They would do, like, this gimmick where you would, like, blindly taste two sodas, and then they would ask you which one you would prefer. Ideally, you would pick the one that was Pepsi. I wonder if they were both Pepsi. I don't know. But I did get the chance to do it. And I did I did pick Pepsi. I, I thought that they were recording me for a commercial. I remember, I remember thinking that the, the taste test commercials were like a big deal at the time. You're about to take the Pepsi challenge. You know, I have two bottles of cola back here. And you don't know which is which. No, I don't. We have never met before. That's correct. Right. Okay, except at my sister's wedding. You know. <laughs> but beside that, we've never met. Okay, now I'm going to pick this up and tell me which one you chose. Pepsi! <laughs> you know, in tests like these nationwide, more people prefer to taste the Pepsi over Coca-Cola. Pepsi's much better. It's delicious. It's down nice and smooth. The taste is good. It's great! Take the Pepsi challenge. Let your taste decide. Right, guys? Right! So, yeah, I, I partook in the Pepsi challenge one time, and... I was, like, certain that they were recording it, that they had, like, secret cameras. I remember I remember trying to be all pithy and funny, trying to, uh, you know, I wanted to make the commercial. I used to be, I used to be, like, quite a ham back in the day. I also remember that they had a cookie club at Jewel. If you were under, like, 12 or something, you could go to the bakery and get a free cookie every visit. If you, if you were accompanied by your parent, and that was... That was, like, the highlight of the grocery trip would be that I would be able to go and get a cookie from the bakery every every time we went. I, I had to wait till we got home to eat, to eat it, but that was cool, man. I still, like, I remember that the cookies were, they were, like, thick and, like, super doughy. They had, like, this very, very distinct taste that I haven't found, that I haven't found in another bakery-style cookie. They're very doughy and yet dry at the same time, but... But I loved them, man, and I was I was all in on the uh, on the Jewel Cookie Club. I did uh, I did a small bit of research too. They still they still have the Cookie Club over at Jewel. Now you can only get a chocolate chip cookie. I recall at the time that you could pick from any of like you know the lower tier price cookies, but now it's a chocolate chip cookie. It's called JoJo's. JoJo's Cookie Club. JoJo is like the Jewel Osco mascot. He looks like he looks like the blue monster from. Uh, What's that? Monsters Inc. But but he's red and he's wearing like a uh, like a Jewel Osco football jersey. I wonder if it was the JoJo Club back then. I don't think so. It might have been. I I seem to just remember it was like the Jewel Cookie Club. Hot dogs were also like a super big deal, and they don't really feel like a big deal here in California. For example, we would go out and get hot dogs way more than we would go out to get hamburgers and. In California, we go out to get burgers all the time. In Illinois, it was it was hot dogs all the time. We would go to this place called Enzo's. If I if I remember correctly, I I only have the vaguest memories of the actual place, but I I have very strong memories of the uh, of the Frankfurters themselves. the The buns were like sesame seed buns, and the hot dogs came with like pickles, and all sorts of garnishments and adornments, and they also, we would get a, get a bag of chips, a bag of Jay's potato chips instead of, instead of french fries, that was, that was like the normal run out and get something, get something like a real quick type meal. 
I'm thinking a little more about those potato chips. Those Jays, those Jays chips were, they were the jam. That was, that was the Illinois brand that I remember above all others. Well, White Castle. We would get a lot of White Castle hamburgers, and we don't have White Castle here in California. I haven't had, I haven't had like a White Castle burger since we, since we left Illinois, and uh, we used to have them all the time. When we did get burgers, they did tend to be White Castle burgers. Now that I, now that I think about it, Enzo's hot dogs. It might have been Enzo's. I am not, not a thousand percent sure. I haven't been able to find any, any kind of references to either online, but. I will admit I didn't look um, super hard, but the Jay's potato chips were were like a big deal. When people would go back, like when we lived in California, um, every once in a while, you know, like my uncle would go back to visit somebody or they would they would um, come visit us, you know, from Illinois. They would always bring bags of Jay's potato chips. That was like the that was the out of state treat that we saw we saw the most often i think that nowadays when i eat potato chips they're they're like laura scudders maybe or or lays i like lays i thought it was weird that in illinois we had jays in california we have lays i think laser laser everywhere everywhere now um but uh at the time you know i thought lays was like this regional outfit and that jays was jays was the big uh, big game in town there was also this thing that's like the vaguest of all the memories that I have. Well, not the absolute vaguest, but this one, this one is super vague, and I, I've tried to pull it out like a million times. I've asked my mom and my dad if they remember this. I've asked my, that's my uncle, my cousin, all these people who used to live in the area, and nobody seems to remember this, this but me, but at one time, I think that there was a store that sold plastic tubs of like homemade potato chips like they were made they were made on the site you know like kettle chips they would sell like you know how when you go to like food max or one of those places they sometimes have those giant tubs of low quality ice cream you know what i'm talking about not like not like dryers or anything like the you know like the store brand really bad super soft not so good ice cream well they would sell like those type of tubs but full of homemade potato chips. They had different flavor potato chips. I remember there was a pickle. I remember there was a tomato, like a tomato flavor that I, I wanted to get up on. Um, they also had like bigger bins of like broken potato chips at cheaper prices. And I remember these being the greatest potato chips I've ever eaten in my life. And I, I like a potato chip. A potato chip is, it's okay with me, man. I think, I think they're great. I, only have the vaguest, vaguest memories of this place. I've, I've done, you know, a super cursory type web search and I haven't found anything. If you guys remember something like this or if you guys had something like this around where you are or were, let me know. I'm, I'm a bit curious about this. As I was, as I was sitting here right now, I, I started thinking back to the refrigerator. I tried to, I tried to envision what was inside the refrigerator of the house. I thought that if I could see that, maybe I could, maybe I could get some more, like, food-type memories. But what happened that was interesting was I got, like, a great image of the layout of the house in my head. The kitchen was over on one side, and then it shared a wall with, like, the living room. And then on the other side was my bedroom on one side and my parents on the other. And then there was, there was, like, a small, like, washer-dryer room. It wasn't... It wasn't the biggest house in the world. It was a small house, but we did, we did have a super duper big backyard. I remember that the living room had like a red carpet and that, 
there was a lighter color in my room, and I seem to remember my parents having the red carpet, the red carpet as well, but that's, that's only like the vaguest, the vaguest of memories. It was kind of the layout where the, the kitchen seems to dominate everything with the, with the, you know, the table that you eat at, and then the actual, like, you know, kitchen food prep space. That seemed like the biggest, most active area of the whole thing. Anyhow, let's, uh, let's take another quick commercial break, and then we'll come back and I'll talk about my school and things like that. That should be fun, and then maybe a bit more, and we'll start, we'll start getting ready to get up out of here. Can I have some new Jay's potato chips? Well, okay, but just one. Two? Well, maybe. But first you have to learn around the block. Okay. And dress up Spike in your sister's clothes, and then teach him how to walk on two legs and play the trumpet. I could really go for, I could really go for some J's right now. I found out that J's got bought out by Snyder's, the pretzel company. We sometimes get Snyder's. I like the, I like the really big sized, uh, Snyder pretzels. They're, they're kind of crunchy, you know, and I dig that, but they bought out J's and people say that, they say that J's doesn't taste the way that J's should taste back in the day. I don't know. Um, the, the name of the school that I went to when I lived in Illinois in good old, good old Oaklawn was Harnu. Elementary Harnew was within walking distance of my house. I would walk to school every day at first. The younger grades, you know, my mom would come with me. But after a while, you know, I would go with, um, like, Steve, the kid who lived next door or whoever. Whatever it was. It was super close. I, I remember you would just go through the alley and through somebody's side yard. And there you were. There you were at the school. I think it was even, like, a little bit longer than that. But... Not very, not very much at all. The The grades of Harnu were from kindergarten up to sixth grade, if I recall. And I, I started there in kindergarten. I remember my, my most distinct kindergarten memory is that we had like a giant rug that took up like half of the classroom and that everybody would, everybody would have to sit on the rug like alphabetically. It was girls over on one side and then dudes over on one side, you know, the front row would be like the A's and would go all the way down to, you know, the Z's would be like behind the very first guy. And then we would sit there with the teacher in the middle doing the lessons and that kindergarten was only like half a day at the, at the time at Harnu. Eventually, like I know 2.0 went like a full day. At one point, but kindergarten was half a day. We'd go home at noon, and then there would be, like, another another squad of noon kids that would come in to finish up the rest of the day. I remember, like, passing these afternoon kids and wondering wondering what their stories were. Like, they, they seemed so interesting. Like, there were some, you know, you know, when you're that age, you're just, like, looking for new dudes to play with. And I would see these guys going by, and some of them looked cool, and I'd be like, man, I'd like to play with that kid. And I would never see them, except for... In the passing, the passing of the shifts. Lunch was also, like, a deal in kindergarten. Well, the fact that, like, you didn't get to have lunch at school. This is how, this is how I recall it. And, again, I don't know if this is a thousand percent correct. This was, this was a, uh, bone of, bone of jealousy between us and the afternoon crew. The afternoon crew 
got to have lunch at school. Like when they got when they got dropped off at like 11 or whatever, soon afterwards they would have lunch. But if you were in the morning crew, you had to go home and have lunch with your mom. You know, you were having like a cheese sandwich and a pickle. Whereas if you were in the afternoon crew, you had a lunchbox and you got like a sandwich and a cupcake and a milk and whatever side, usually pickles. I remember pickles were like a super popular side at the time with the lunchbox set. Also Doritos, Doritos were the hot chip. Doritos and a pickle, what all the cool kids would have back at a Harnu Elementary. But this was like a bone of contention that they got to have lunch like one year earlier. Another thing that caused a lot of jealousy at the school was lockers. There weren't enough lockers for every kid in the school. So once you got past... Once you got past kindergarten and you were up until, like, full-day school, there was the opportunity to get a locker, but this is how it worked. There was always two teachers for each grade, right? So the teachers would alternate years with their class getting the lockers. So I recall starting off first year, and my teacher had gotten the lockers the year before, so that year we didn't get lockers, but the other first grade class had lockers. We had to carry our stuff with us all day. They got to have a locker, which is dope. You get like a personal space in the school that's all your own. And then you get to learn, you get to learn the mysteries of a padlock, which seems super dope. It was, man, such a disappointment to me. My first two years coming out of school, first I was in the crew that didn't get a lunch. I didn't get to have a lunchbox for one extra year. And then the next year, I didn't have a locker. I felt like the world was, I felt like the world was out to get me. One of the things at the school that was like the super most popularist thing to get from the, from the school commissary. Well, it wasn't even really like that. It was the, the office lady had some, some small supplies for sale. And amongst those supplies was NFL pencils, like pencils with the colors and the names of the various NFL teams on the side. If I if I recall correctly, they were two for 25 cents from the office lady. I had to go up to her directly. And there were certain teams that were way more popular than other teams, as you as you can imagine. I recall the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was like a black one with yellow writing. That one was super popular. People wanted that black pen. The the Dallas Cowboys was silver with blue writing on it. People wanted that. Of course, people wanted the Bears. You know, everybody, everybody wanted the Bears. And I myself didn't have like a super affiliation to anybody at the time. So I remember enjoying the, the Houston Oilers. Their pin had the um, the oil rig on the side, and pencil, rather, had the oil rig on the side, and it was white with blue. I remember getting that one. This was, this was something I had put thought into a few years after I left Harnu. Everybody, everybody wanted certain pencils, right? But the lunch lady, the office lady, was the one who would decide what pencil you got. Do you think... That she had some sort of like personal stake in this. Do you think that she gave the pencils that people wanted to the kids that she liked and gave, you know, the bad pencils? For example, the Packers. Nobody wanted the Packers. The Packers were like the enemies, the natural enemies of the uh, the good old bears. So nobody wanted that. Do you think that, like she would give the kids who were stinkers? She'd go, here you go. Boom. You have the Packers or here you go. You have... I don't know, the Washington Redskins, boom, or one of these, 
one of these teams that wasn't doing so great at the time. I remember the Vikings were another team that everybody hated because they were like a close proximity to Illinois. So we hated them. We hated the Packers. Nobody wanted those pencils. Do you think the office lady gave those to the kids she didn't like? My guess says, yeah, the policy was you weren't supposed to ask for any specific pencil. You got what you got. You get what you get and you don't throw a fit. But I wonder if there were kids who had better relationships with her who would ask and receive pencils that they wanted. In my in my years as an NFL pencil purchaser, I remember only once getting a fantastically cool pencil and that was the that was the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this was during like the heyday of like Mean Joe Green and that commercial where where he gives that kid his towel. That commercial's weird, because what is that kid doing in the corridor unescorted? It was a different time. Kids went all kinds of places unescorted. I remember being in just like all over the place, all by myself as a little kid, but that's just what it was like back then, and there was, there's nothing wrong with that. That dude, Mean Joe Green, was such a big celebrity. I didn't watch football in any form at the time, but I knew who I knew who Mean Joe Green was. I I had this image of him in my head. You know, I knew that he was like a football player and I knew that he was mean and I heard dudes talking about how he would just he would just devastate other guys and I kind of built him up in my mind as sort of like a like a mythical Mr. T type. You know, I saw him as just like a trash-talking evil dude who just like wail on guys until they were nothing but uh, bloody pulps. But then, but then I saw that commercial, and I'm like, I don't know, guy, guy seems like a sweetheart, seems all right, seems nice, I don't know. Uh, maybe you just gotta ply him with the coke, and he's all that, you know, to you. Maybe, I don't know, he'll give you your towel, and then you can have a sweaty towel of your own. How long would you keep the towel before washing it. Would you ever wash it? Would you ever wash it and maybe use it as like your own gym towel or would you keep it with Mean Joe Green sweat? Because maybe someday you can clone him and you can be his agent, make a grip a grip a change when he enters the NFL of, of the future. I don't know. It's something to think about. Another big celebrity to me at the time, and this is, this is a bit off the school topic, but it's age appropriate, was Bozo. Bozo the Clown. They used to shoot Bozo out of Chicago, and every morning before school, I would watch this, watch this show. My favorite part was the, was the Bozo buckets, where there would be like a line of buckets, and you would have to, you'd have to throw balls into them, and each bucket was, you know, further and further away, and had a better and better prize. I forget what, I forget what the grand prize of the whole thing was in Bozo buckets. It was... It was like an early game show type thing to me. I would watch this every day and I would dream about the chance to get to uh, go throw Bozo Buckets. I never got to go see Bozo. A lot of, a lot of kids I know did. All you had to do is drive into the city. I think you would, I think you would mail in and request tickets or call and request tickets and they would give them to you for free. They needed, they needed an audience of kids and they just might, they just might pick you out of the thing to be... The Bozo Bucketeer, I would stress out thinking about it. Like, at first I would think it would be fun to get a chance at those buckets. And then, then after a while, I'd be like, oh my gosh, it would be so stressful. And I would, I would hate to miss, like, the first bucket and look like a total simp on the show that everybody at school watched. Everybody used to watch Bozo before school. Dude was such, 
such a big Illinois celebrity. I think that ultimately they franchised Bozo and there were lots of different regional Bozos all over the place and each each major metropolitan area had their own would be how I'd imagine it is. But I don't know. It seems like such a such a Chicago thing. We didn't have it when I moved here to California. So once we left that behind, I never really saw Bozo again. I guess I could go on YouTube and look up some Bozo episodes, but I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't seem... Doesn't seem like uh, something to put onto the top, the uh, the top of the priority list. There's a lot of a lot of '80s toy commercials. I got to look up first. Maybe maybe at some point I'll get to get the bozo. But let's get back. Let's get back to Harnu. Harnu. When I first started going there, did not have did not have a, a school mascot like like a lot of schools had. You know, we weren't we weren't like the Binkley Bobcats or the Rinkin Valley Falcons or whatever. There was. There was nothing. We were just, we were just good old Harnu Elementary. And one day, one day that all changed. We got, we got called into the gym for a big, a big rally or whatever. And when we got in there, I saw they had three different teacher representatives up on the stage. There was, there was a lady who was the office lady, not the nice one with the pencils, the mean one who was actually like the principal's secretary, and then there was, there was a janitor, not the nice janitor that people liked, the, the older, rougher one, and then the, the gym teacher, not the, not the gym teacher who gave me an Aikido flip in the famous gym class episode of This Boring Life, this was, this was the other gym teacher that was, there was a lady that people liked, she was, she was cool. We didn't see her a lot. She would come in and do like square dancing and other things, but she seemed like a sweet lady and everybody liked her. And then the uh, the principal from the school, Mr. Wujek, got up and he was like, It's time here at Harnu that we adopted a mascot. It's time here at Harnu that people knew who we were and what we were about. I have three representatives from the faculty, each one representing a different mascot. When I say their name, I want you to cheer if you like the mascot. First up is the office lady. She represents the Harnu Gophers. Let me know if you like the Gophers. Up next is the Creepy Night Janitor, and he represents the second mascot that we have the option of picking, and it is known as... The Har New Aardvarks! Okay, I can see that. I can see that you the three options that we have. This one is with the gym teacher that you all like, and I want to know how you feel about the Har New And when he said it, the gym teacher jumped up with a big, like a big uh, vinyl banner with the Harnu Hawks, with this big Harnu Hawks logo on it. And she's like jumping up in the air and waving it. And the people are going banana. They are going absolute banana. I remember jumping up like, yeah, Harnu Hawks! And we were, we were all in that. I had like a Harnu Hawks hat. I bought a Harnu Hawks shirt. It was... It was my jam for a while, dude. I would wear this Harnu Hawks beanie almost like every day. Our colors were blue and yellow. And I had this Harnu Hawks beanie that was like, 
the kind with like a fuzzy ball at the top and it said Harnu across the front band. I wish I still had that. I want it. I want it so bad. I I wonder where it went. I knew that I had it here in California. I used to I used to wear it in my early Binkley days. I wasn't I wasn't ready to give up my Harnu identity. I would wear this. I would wear this beanie even though it was like 95 degrees out and you know in in my later years I I've come to suspect that the that the whole thing may have been set up. I think that there may have been plans for us to be the Hawks before the before the whole big assembly, but I don't know, man. It all worked out for the best in the end. It's a good memory. Go hard, you Hawks! Let's uh let's take a quick quick commercial break. I gotta I gotta regather my voice after after all that yelling, man. I I got the hard new spirit. We'll uh we'll be back in a sec with we'll talk about some of the things I did. You know, like activities, like, uh, like Cub Scouts and such. I will be, I will be right back. So weekday mornings with the superstars. The fun starts at 6.30 with Woody Woodpecker. Then it's classic cat and mouse games with Tom and Jerry. At 7.30, there's Bedlam in Bedrock with the Flintstones. And at 8, see the Guardians battle the sinister renegades on the GoBots. Then it's Jace against the evil Sawboss on Jace and the Wheeled Warriors. It's all here, weekday mornings beginning at 6.30 on Sunrise Superstars on 32. WFLD is one of the stations I remember watching. They had they had this show, The Son of Svengoolie. It was it was one of those creature feature type hosted horror movie movie shows. Son of Svengoolie had like a top hat and sort of like curly hair. I'm doing this I'm doing this off my best memories, like curly hair off the side, and you were like black eye makeup, and he was into like all kinds of wacky hijinks while he was while he was hosting the the movies like these these bad style horror movies this is the channel i remember watching cartoons on this particular bumper isn't for isn't for something i would have watched per se because i noticed it had the gobots in there and i know the gobots didn't start uh, start popping off till i was till i was here in california i i looked it up wfld is the is the local Fox affiliate at this point. I don't have, like, a ton of super distinct Illinois TV memories outside of Bozo, Bozo Buckets, and Son of Svengoolie, but when we moved to California, I remember really sweating not being able to see the Son of Svengoolie anymore. I I couldn't tell you, like, any of the movies that I watched on the show or any of, like, his particular particular hijinks. I do recall he would make, like, parody commercials for different products. There was one that was, it was like Hawaiian Punch, but it was like blood, like Transfusion Punch. We're gonna go Transfusion. Transfusion Punch out your pangs without using your fangs. For any quick Transfusion. (laughs) Yeah. Transfusion Punch is more than just tired blood. It's a combination of seven blood types and plasma for the taste any vampire loves. Good! When I was living back in Oak Lawn, I was a, I was a Cub Scout. My dad signed me up for Cub Scouts and I thought it was, 
I thought it was great. I had such a good time. I was a member of the Greater Chicagoland Area Pack Number Three Twenty Seven. The good old, the good old Fighting Three Two Seven. We would meet in the in the gym of Harnu like twice a month for big meetings, like when the entire the entire area would get together. And this was this was like a big thing. There would be the entire gym was packed with all the kids and the parents, and this is where you would get, like, the latest, the latest Cub Scout news, but then you had, like, smaller, smaller groups of a pack. I think, if I remember correctly, the pack was the larger group. That was the one that would meet at Harnu, and then you belonged to, like, a smaller den, and your den would have a, a different number. I don't remember what number my den was, but we would meet once a week, in, in the den at the rotating group of, like, parental, um, chaperones, you know, you'd call them den leaders or whatever, and we would meet with the den leaders all the time. My parents weren't den leaders, I don't know why they weren't, they just weren't, they weren't into it, they signed me up probably to get me, get me out of the house, but I was into it. We didn't do a lot of, like, outdoorsy activities, as I recall. It was mostly, like, inside of people's kitchens. At the kitchen table, we would learn about different things and play, like, board games or word games and stuff like that. I do recall one time we went out into what seemed like a small wooded area. It seemed like a large wooded area at the time, but in my brain, I realized it was like a small patch of trees, and we learned some... We learned some wilderness survival tactics. I thought that was, I thought that was pretty dope. We took matches and we dipped them in wax so that they would become waterproof. We learned how you could, you could like dig a trench, like dig a hole and put plastic over the top. You would put like a, a rock on the middle of the plastic to make the plastic dip down. And then on the interior of the hole, you'd put a cup and the condensation would, would create water for you so you wouldn't die. I've never had to use that trick. I've never, I've fortunately never been to the point of dying from not having water to where I had to do this. And also, at the same time, had some, had some plastic wrap with me. But still, though, you know, I do have, like, a survival bag that I could grab if there's ever, like, a zombie apocalypse. It's in the, it's in the closet of the Earth base. There's, like, various, like, foods and knives and things like that for, for when the, uh, when it all jumps off. And in there is is a piece of plastic wrap, so just in case, you know, I run out of water when I'm out there dodging the walking dead, I will, I will be able to survive, don't worry about me. In Cub Scouts, you have to get, like, merit badges, and to do that, you have to fulfill certain qualifications. We didn't do, like, a ton, a ton of outdoorsy stuff, so we mostly focused on, like, the, like, the various crafty the crafty ones, we would make, like, leather craft things and get merit badges for that or make, like, beaded, beaded Native American style adornments and we would, we would get merit badges for that. We weren't, like, the Fighting 327 wasn't, like, the toughest crew around or anything. We, we mostly would be in people's kitchens. Like I said, we would have cookies and milk and make leather things and every once in a while... We would go out and go in the wooded area, the glen. We'd go over to the wooded glen or maybe go play wiffle ball outside. Still, though, it was a super duper time. I really, really, really enjoyed it. It was it was cool because none of the kids in my den were kids that I went to school with. So 
I got to meet, like, a whole new crew of dudes, and we were already, like, we were a den, so we all would be friendly and cool toward each other, right? We were all all in the same gang, as it were. And also, because these weren't kids that I went to school with, I got to, I got to, like, act however I wanted without the constraints of, of having people who already knew me, if that makes sense. You know, at school, you kind of already have, to some degree, an image you know, so it was cool to go do Cub Scouts and be able to just, like, be whatever I wanted, be whoever I wanted, do do my own thing. I remember one time we had a, we had a deal where you could bring in a board game and then the kids would pick, like, what was, what was the board game we would play. And I was, I was lucky enough to have one of the greatest board games of all time, The Dark Tower. Last night I journeyed backwards in time to the medieval world of Dark Tower. In this amazing game, I had to find three keys, lay siege to the tower, and defeat the enemy within. Each move was a challenge. The computer kept track, giving me secret information, pictures, sounds, surprises. Then, ahead of my opponent, I made my move. The battle was joined, and I was victorious. Dark Tower, from MB Electronics. Do you guys remember that game? I kind of I kind of think you do. It was a board game that was centered around this large plastic tower that that was battery operated and it would have different buttons and things and just like lead you through the game sort of like a sort of like a dungeon master would. I got this game for Christmas one year and I never not ever got to play it because I didn't have a bunch of nerds living around me that would want to, and this one time that I took it with me to to Cub Scouts was my big opportunity to play it, and lucky enough, everybody saw the tower, and they voted for the power of the game, and we had, like, a rousing round of the Dark Tower. It's one of my greatest, like, role-playing game memories. It was awesome. I was the one... I was the one that knew how to play, and I got to teach everybody, and we just, we had a marvelous time, man. Cub Scouts was so much fun. There were two, like, super big events that the entire, the entire Cub Scout year revolved around, and these were two things. The Rain Gutter Regatta and the Pinewood Derby. The Pinewood Derby was the bigger of the two, and the way this works was you got, like, a small kit with a, uh, with a wood block that you would shave down and four wheels that were like attached with nails. And you would, you would on your own or with your father make the car that would represent you in the biggest race of the year. This was something that involved the entire pack, every din. And it was a single elimination tournament. The way it works was they had like a giant track. It was, it seemed gigantic. It was it was pretty big, though. The dude who dropped the cars down had to go, had to climb up a ladder to get to the thing. It was this big, big, um, like a hill, right, with four or five lanes that were separated. And they would drop the cars down the lanes, and, you know, the fastest car wins. All the losers are out until, until only one car remains the king. This was... This was the big one, dude. This was the big event. The Rain Gutter Regatta, I'll talk about that in a minute, was secondary, but it was the one that I preferred. I would enter the Pinewood Derby every year, naturally. My dad, at the time, was working at a graphics shop in Chicago, and he had 
he had the hookups for for dope stickers and I always had a very well decorated car the the one that I remember the most was one called the Scorpion he got these these really neat like astrological sign stickers that he put on each side and we had like black stripes over over an orange body the deal with it though was that guys were like super scientific with their cars they would put some people put weights in the front some people thought if you put weights in the back it would be better other people implanted weights in the body all to increase the overall tonnage of the car in theory so that it would go faster down the embankment me and my dad weren't really down with these tricks that people knew it wasn't that we wouldn't do it because we definitely would have we just didn't put a lot of thought into into that area our our main focus was on the on the um the appearance of the car and I always always had one of the sweetest cars in the Pinewood Derby but I was also always eliminated in the opening round, which was which was quite a bummer, man. The entire Cub Scout year built up to this, and my car would always lose. One time, it actually, like, rolled down and got stuck. They, they had to go and push it. It didn't even complete the whole thing. It was quite a sad sight. I still have the Scorpion. I don't have all four wheels. I only have three, but I do, I do have the body. I should just go online and get some get a whole new kit and replace the wheels, but I love looking at this thing, and I love thinking back about the time and the effort that my dad put in to detailing something. It was a real sweet car. It still is a real sweet car. I always had the sweetest cars, sweetest, but the slowest. I I did much better, though, at the, at the rain gutter regatta. That was a boat-based version of the Pinewood Derby. They would get they would get like two long rain gutters and filled them with water, right? And you got a um, you got a kit where you would build a boat, much like you would build a Pinewood Derby car. But whereas the Pinewood Derby was very dependent on gravity and weight, the the rain gutter regatta was you had more you had more at at play in this one. You would have to you would have to run alongside your boat and blow it with your with your breath. You'd be like you'd be like huffing and puffing and trying to push it down as fast as you could. The the boat that we built that stands out in my mind the most was was one called the Pegasus. It was it was a white and blue boat and my dad got um he got these fantastic Pegasus decals at his at his graphic shop and he, he we put them on the sail and we got like the word, the Pegasus, we use those letters, I don't know if you remember these, you would, you would hold them onto the paper, it was kind of like a, like a heavier plastic sheet, and you would rub it off with something, and the, the letter would come off, and, and stick to whatever, we used those to spell out the Pegasus on the side, it had, it had some great pinstriping, one year, I actually came in third, in the rain gutter regatta, I don't know if it was the same year that I had the Pegasus, but I do, I do remember coming in third. I had a trophy. I have it around here somewhere. I know that I know that I didn't throw it away. It was it was kind of small. Maybe like 4 4 inches or so, so rather and it was it was dope. It's a third place and it had the name of the name of the of the pack and everything. It was a lot of fun. I was I was happy to have that. I I recently like took just about everything out of the office on the Earth base and, you know, organize it into boxes so I could, 
so I could start fresh with a bunch of new stuff. And the and the trophy was amongst that stuff that uh that got put in the garage. I'll I'll pull it out someday, and when I do, I'll be happy. I really did enjoy Cub Scouts. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. But when we when we moved to California, for whatever reason, I I didn't continue on. There was a pack at school at Binkley when we moved here, but I I had a hard time making friends when I initially moved here. It was I've said this a couple times, but it was like a massive, massive culture shock moving from the Midwest to California. And I didn't feel like close enough to anybody else to actually actually join up. But in retrospect, that was something I should have done because I might have made some friends, might have got into some activities, and it might have made that uh that transitional period a lot easier. But what are you gonna do, man? That's all that's all in retrospect. If we ever if we ever moved 2.0, like to the Midwest with a reverse culture shock, I would I would uh, nudge her into joining activities and meeting people. But that's all that's all neither here nor there because it all turned out fine. I highly recommend scouting to anybody who has kids of that age. It's fun. It's cool. It gets them out of the house. It has a lot of a lot of positive qualities. You know, they really teach like being nice, being cool, being brave being prepared, all these, all these things that you really should, really should be in life. Another thing that, another thing I did in Illinois, and we're gonna, we're gonna start winding it down, I'm gonna talk about this, and then maybe like one other thing, and we're gonna, we're gonna try to take it home, but another thing that I did when we lived in Illinois was go to Sunday school. There was a, there was a Baptist church, like, right around the corner from where we lived, and my my parents signed me up for Sunday school Bible study when I was when I was young. I had a lot of fun doing this too. It was it was like the sort of church deal where there was like a lot of game playing, a lot of running around and doing stuff and having fun. And there was also, you know, there was some Bible study which I which I can appreciate. I I, I like to learn about different things and this is definitely some important stuff that you should know about. So that was fun too. If I remember correctly, the Bible study was in the basement of the church. They had like a uh, like a children's room set up in in the basement down there where they would do that and there was like a ping pong table and a pool table and other things like that for the uh for the kids to uh be occupied with in you know, like wholesome style activity sort of deal. We had a lot of fun back there. The the ladies who ran it would make every week seem like a special week. They would have they would have some sort of activity plan, some kind of some kind of game or whatever. I remember once they did a they did a like uh let's make a deal kind of thing like that um like the game show with Monty Hall and I was picked to go up and there were there were three boxes on the table, a small one a medium one and a big one and the grand prize of the thing was one of those one of those water games where you you like push a button to to like shoot little little puffs of air so that you can um I think this one was basketball if i remember right these games were made by Tommy and they would they had different different varieties one was where like you had to get a ring on a peg it was it was like a vertical thing like you would sit it on the tabletop and push the button 
to get the uh, little puff of air to guide the basketball through the hoop. And I wanted this. I wanted this like something bad. And I I picked the I picked the largest box because that's the only one that the game could have been under. And instead, there was like a little bag of M&Ms. I was super disappointed. I I remember being like almost in tears. You know, I was probably like first grade or second grade, and I was like almost in tears, and I didn't want the M&Ms. I was like, no, I don't want them. Keep the M&Ms. It turned out that the that the game was under the medium box. It was it was smaller than I thought. I was so upset. The 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 church lady was like, well, we'll keep the M&Ms, and when you decide you want them, you know, you just ask for them, and you can have them. And I'm like, I'll never want them. I'll never want them ever. And if I, if I remember right, I, I think that I left that day without the M&Ms and I never got them. But if I, if I also remember correctly, when I got home, I, I thought to myself, what a dummy. You could be sitting here eating M&Ms, but instead you have nothing but, uh, nothing but dried up tears on your face. That's what it's, that's what it's like being that young though. You're dumb. You make dumb decisions. You, uh, you only think emotionally, you know, and you, you cry. You cry at the drop of a dime, or at least, at least I did. Over, over the summer, there was a big church thing, too. It was, it was essentially like a church daycare kind of thing. It would go for a couple hours every, every day, Monday through Friday, and basically you'd get dropped off in the morning. Your parents would pick you up around lunchtime, and during the time you were there, instead of being down the basement, we were actually, like, up in the, in the main chapel, and you know how there's, like, a row in the middle and pews on each side, they would, they would split you up into teams, right, and the different teams would have different names, and you would, you would compete against each other in various games, they would keep score over the course of the summer with one team winning, one team losing, the team's names were determined by the, by the mascot, they had a mascot, that would lead each team. Now, one team had Big Bird. They had they had one of the parents or one of the dudes dressed up in like a full-on Big Bird outfit. And he was the leader of that team. And he would like run around and cheer and lead everybody. And the team, this is the one year I remember distinctly, the team I was on did not have a mascot at the beginning. It must have been that the, that the costume didn't arrive in time or whatever. So... We didn't have a mascot for like the first couple weeks in and we were we were like we were getting tromped by this other team. We would get destroyed because they had like Big Bird on the sideline like cheering him on and every single thing and we had we had nothing but nothing but the pastor or whoever and that might be cool but it wasn't as cool as Big Bird but then one day we were in the we were in the church doing the rally, the morning rally and the the pastor's like Hey guys, guess what? We got somebody, we got somebody that you want to meet. And like the doors burst open and like, I remember he looked like, what's his name? Elmo on, um, on Sesame street, but, but bigger and like darker red. And he runs in and the pastor's like big red. And he became like our mascot. And we were so stoked to have this guy big red on our squad. No little cinnamon gum freshens breath longer than big red. So kiss a little longer, laugh a little longer, stay close a little longer, longer with big red. That big red freshness has my through it. I don't know that the, 
I don't know that having Big Red on the squad turn turned the season around, but it was dope having our own mascot. And man, we were into Big Red. I don't know who it was who was under the Big Red outfit, but this guy was so much fun. He would like run around and act all cool and act all silly. And we were just like, all we wanted to do was hang out with Big Red. We were so into this dude, like getting a high five from Big Red was like, that was like the highlight of the week. I I remember this stuff so fondly. And the day that we that we left, the last Sunday that I went to went to Sunday school at the, at the Baptist church was it was super emotional like saying goodbye to um all my church friends because these were like these were kids that I did Bible study for like 3 4 years, you know, and I would see them, I would see them regularly, I would see them over the summer and Leaving this group was, it was almost harder than leaving school because school was fun. But there's also, there's also like bad memories at school. School's not, not always fun. The, the youth group was always fun and it was super sad. I, I cried a ton. I remember being there just like sobbing and sobbing and it was, it was hard to say the, uh, goodbyes to these guys. They, they gave me this neat plaque that was, um, that had like the name of the church and, um, a picture a picture of Jesus on it. It was, it was pretty cool. I have it. It's in, um, it's in the other room. I still, I still, uh, I still have it up. It's nice, nice memories. This was, this was another thing that I didn't continue on when we moved to California. I, I didn't continue on in the Sunday school world. And like looking back at the, the episode, you know, and the stories that I've told, I hadn't really, I hadn't really thought of it this way before, but I didn't really continue any of the things that I did when I was in Illinois when we moved to California. And I think that if I did, things may have, things may have been different. And I think that they all turned out fine. But I did have a few years where I definitely struggled with like finding dudes to hang out with. And socially, I, I don't know if I ever like a thousand percent recovered as far as like status at school or whatever, because I wasn't like a true California blood and that's um that's something that it feels like people actually considered at the time and I don't mean like they were like you're not pure California blood you you will not be counted but what I mean to say is like the people that they knew since the jump always had an elevated status from from newcomers especially especially standoffish newcomers like myself who uh don't participate in any any group activities like like the rest of them I don't know man it's just it's weird to look back. It's always, it's always weird to look back and doing these, doing these episodes sometimes. It's like I'm looking back with such a, such a fine comb that you, um, you get like new, new enlightenment from these, from these past stories. The, the thing that for whatever reason sticks out to me the most, and I'm going to say this is probably my, my most pleasant Illinois memory when I, when I look back, I swear this is the thing that I that I remember the most fondly was was hot dog day at at elementary school at Harnu Elementary. Every Wednesday, you would get sent with a couple dollars that you would that you would turn in in an envelope in the morning to the teacher and you would use these you would use these dollars to buy hot dogs which were then delivered to the classroom and for lunch, you got to eat hot dogs instead of your normal your normal lunch box affair. In Illinois, in Illinois, a hot dog is like, it's like a religion. So this was, 
this was a big deal. And I remember getting these hot dogs and they were like the highest quality hot dogs that I had had up until that point. They, they seemingly went all out. They, they were like steamed or boiled hot dogs rather with steamed buns wrapped in, wrapped in wax paper. When you got them, they were like a little bit moist on the inside and they would wheel in a cart with like the, the hot dog condiments, you know, the mustard, the ketchup, the onions, the sauerkraut. Sauerkraut's like a big deal in Illinois hot dogs. I I only recently got back into into putting kraut on my wiener. I, I was at the I was at the Schultz Ice Arena and I bought a hot dog and they had they had the condiments and amongst them was sauerkraut. And I'm like, oh snap! I haven't thought about sauerkraut in I don't know how many years, and I put it on, and the, like, the vinegary taste goes really well with the, with the sweet of the, of the hot dog, so they would have that, and the onions, and all that fun stuff that you would put on an Illinois hot dog, and the, the way that they were delivered to the classroom was, was amazing, too. They would, they would be brought in, there was a student who would get picked every week, there was, like, a lucky kid who got to go and pick up the hot dogs and they would, I'll talk about that because I was actually picked a couple times. I want to, that's a whole, a whole separate amazing memory. The, the way they were brought in was the kid would come in the door with a, like a laundry sack. Imagine like a laundry duffel sack. It was, it was blue and it would be full of hot dogs. And then you would have the hot dog list, right? The hot dog list with all the kids and how many wieners they were going to get. Most people got two Sometimes the girls would get one. Occasionally there would be kids who would get three. I myself, I was like a two hot dog guy at the at the time. Now I'm only like a one wiener guy, but at the time I was a two hot dog kid and the two hot dog kid. That could be that could be my cowboy name if I ever if I ever need one. The the hot dogs were just so great. It was so delicious. The smell of the boiled hot dog was like overwhelming in the classroom because there was like 30 kids at a desk, you know, with one, two, maybe three wieners. And the smell would, it would get in the air. It was, it was heavenly. It's like my favoriteest of all the memories. I look back and I think hot dog day. Hot dog day was the greatest day of the week. It may have been the greatest day, the greatest day I've ever had. If I wrote, if I wrote a biography of myself, you know, like I wrote my autobiography, I might very well title it hot dog day just because it was such such an important thing and such a great memory. The the best part of it was if you got picked to be the be the hot dog delivery kid and you got to go to the hot dog room and pick up pick up the frankfurters in the in the duffel sack. The the hot dog room was a small little like a kitchenette. The the hot dog room was right off the off the library and you would go inside and give the give the lady who distributed the, uh, the, the sausages, your, your sheet with all the hot dog signups, the hot dog list. And they would go down and see, you know, how many hot dogs you would get. And they would, they would like one, two, three, four, five, stick them inside of the, inside of the blue duffel sack. And then you would like sling the duffel sack over your shoulder and you got to walk down the hallway with all the other kids. Cause like the other kids would be coming out after getting the wieners for their class too. And you would all be like walking down the hallway with your big duffel sack of hot dogs over your shoulder. And the, the hallway, the hot dog room would just get, they would get overwhelmed by the, by the smell of boiled hot dogs. It was, it was just so great. And then you got to go in the classroom and you got to be the kid who passed out the hot dogs to everybody. You would go 
one by one down the rows. You know, one hot dog for you, two hot dogs for you, three hot dogs for you, Ferris Hassan. Whoa, there was this kid, Ferris Hassan, who went to our school, and he wore he wore a suit every day. Guy was guy was dapper in the in the day, and as I recall, he was a three hot dog boy. So he passed out three three to Ferris Hassan, two to Akram Zubi, maybe one one to Rich Sock. These are all people whose names. I seem to recall. I don't. I don't know if they were actual actual Harnu students. I hope so. That would be cool. I hope they're. I hope they're doing great. And with with that, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna get out of here. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to get out of here. It was such a weird deal moving from Illinois to California. I know that I've. I know that I've said that a few times. I just. I cannot express how weird it was. It was like. Moving into the world of 90210 from the world of like the, like the almost leave it to beaver like, like suburbs. Just very, very strange. Kids had peg pants. I didn't even, I didn't even know you could do that to your pants. Kids had the pegs. Kids had like sunglasses. Nobody, nobody in Oaklawn, nobody in Oaklawn wore sunglasses. And I myself, I wear mine every day. So I guess, you know, time, time has marched on. I've become a California dude, and that's all. That's all fine, but there is, like, a part of me. It's it's deep, and it gets deeper all the time, but there is, there is still, like, this Illinois, Illinois part of me. It kind of, it kind of comes out when I, when I see my relatives. Like, if I see my aunt and uncle, they live here in town, and they, they're from Burbank. They're from the, from the same area, the next town over from Oklahoma. When I start talking to them, it all really, uh... It all really comes out, but um, I'm happy that you're here. I'm happy to share these memories. I'm happy to get them down. Happy to get them down on uh, on audio cassette. So, with all that said, this is me, Icy Robot, signing out for uh, this boring life. Ep- this is me, Icy Robot, signing off for this boring life episode number nine, Illinois. To this boring life. I can't get with morning this morning night. Oh, to this morning night. I can't get morning morning. Morning life. To this morning night. I can't get with morning to this morning night. Oh. This boring life Can't get money Boring life This boring life This boring life This boring life This boring life Can't get money Boring